0: Our show will always be ad free and is totally supporter driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today, and now back to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lions Up by Donkeys Podcast. I am Joe, and with me again
1: is Tom. What's up, buddy? Joe, why must I suffer so? Why, why, why am I subjected to this misery on the regular? Look, I feel like, and the fans
0: feel like, you have not been properly broken in as a co-host, the lines led by donkeys, because I have yet to make you question your humanity. <laughs> if I have any left. Yeah, that's, that's one of the fun benefits of working here on the show, is I sand away your humanity until you're eventually a, a ruined nub, such as myself.
1: I'm just, like, hollow level 99 in Dark Souls. I need, like, some human effigy to... I need some, like, humanity to use from my item wheel to uh, restore my humanity.
0: Now, before we get started today, because this episode is going to be dark, I'm going to say probably the darkest episode the two of us have ever done (laughs) outside of the Bloody Sunday episode of the Trouble series. I think that one is going to be hard to top. Okay. Okay. I'll let you be the judge of that when we be when we get to when we get to the end so let's start yeah, yeah. this with a uh, what is a bright
1: spot right now uh in your life that you feel comfortable talking about um I'm moving soon so I'm looking forward to that um so that's gonna be really fun also I just want to like take a quick second to shout out some like wonderful people from the discord who invited me on their podcast at the weekend it's called failure to launch it's about a we talked about the Chinese space program in the 60s and 70s and essentially how it devolved into gang warfare between differing groups of uh, Chinese rocket scientists. It was, it was really fun. So Hell yeah. keep an eye out for that when that comes out. Um, shout out uh, all the crew on that. Hell yeah. Uh, I have not
0: guested in any podcast in quite some time. Uh, so if you're listening and you host a podcast, let me know. Uh, I know my time zone is a... Fucking nightmare. Uh, but I can generally make it work. Um, John,
1: John from uh, let's fight a boss. If you're here, if you're hearing this, super eye patch wolf, invite Joe on the show. God, or come that, on this show. That would be incredible. Um, yeah, Have I done anything that counts as a bright
0: spot recently? Um, I so when I moved here, I stopped going to jujitsu. Uh, I know a lot of people. Uh, know that I've been doing jujitsu for years. Um, and I've recently managed to carve out enough time in my daily life to go a couple times a week and mm-hmm. uh my bright spot is i still suck at it um <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> it's it's one of those things that like it brings me great joy to just be uh humbled uh on a day-to-day basis i mean it's also a great workout which obviously i'm a huge fan of um, but everybody's very nice. I'm not going to say who, it, uh, where I go because again, I live in a very small city and I don't want to, I don't want to like, it's a small place as well. Uh, so like, uh, but everybody's very friendly. Uh, there's, uh, like on any given day, there's three or four different languages being spoken on the mats. Like you have guys, uh, who only speak Russian guys, who only speak Armenian, uh, guys who speak a, a mix of the two. And then me, uh, who speaks very bad Armenian and English. Um, so it's like a fun uh, language exchange while, uh, a, a sweaty man is choking you out. It's a lot of fun.
1: I mean, so it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm sure it'd be very fun to a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I mean, assuming you are comfortable with wrestling, uh, cause if you're not, yeah. you're going to have a bad time. Uh, <laughs> actually speaking, of, speaking of wrestling, we haven't talked about this on the last couple of episodes. We now, well, specifically you now sponsor a wrestling production. We yes, haven't I talked do. about it. Yeah, uh, I am helping
0: promote uh, Enjoy Wrestling, which is based out of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, you know, everybody knows at this point, I'm a I'm a pretty big wrestling fan. But wrestling itself is insanely toxic. Um, uh, the major productions have made great strides to not being as toxic as they were when I first started watching them. Uh, I'm not going to say they're not toxic, because they fucking absolutely are, but they are less so now. Um, Yeah. And, you know, WWE has its problems. AEW, who I am a a pretty big fan of, has its own problems as well. Uh, But Enjoy Wrestling is very cool. It's very inclusive, uh, very uh, pro-trans, pro-gay, pro-representation, pro-wrestling company, which... Is something of a unicorn in this industry, so I am I'm happy to help promote and support them and the good work that they're doing. So I encourage everybody to watch it. You can find it for free on their YouTube. You don't have to pay shit. Um, if you live in, in in PA or the surrounding areas, I encourage you to try to get a ticket because I've heard that the, li- the like seeing it live is great. Um, and I I look forward to maybe sometime in the future, whenever I'm back in the Midwest, whenever the hell that's going to be, I'm catching a show. Uh, But yeah watch it for free on youtube i kind of forgot about that That, that's a very cool bright spot (laughs) it's cool to do to try to help something good exist in the world you know uh in a world so full
1: of shit exactly shout out enjoy wrestling yeah um now that we've also also i want want, before we actually start uh talking about what we're going to talk about i just want to address something something that was said in a previous episode of this show, oh boy. which I have gotten so much shit for over the past couple of weeks. You have to be more specific. That happens a lot around here. <laughs> the hack squat is a valuable piece of gym equipment, and anyone who has given me shit for it, you are just weak. You are weak minded. You cannot see outside of your perceptions of the barbell squat, of those plates on like a foot and a half away from your head. Open your mind to activating other muscle groups. Use the hack squat. You've opened your mind so much your gains are falling out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if you use the hack squat correctly, they might be falling out of somewhere. <laughs> Look, uh, I am not going to rebirth our schism on the basics of the hack squat other than just accept that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the Reformation. I, we're Protestants versus Catholics. I'm going to go to your new apartment and nail a squat rack to the door. I'm going to nail my 95 theses To the uh, the pad of the squat rack Okay Another
0: thing if you're using a pad on the squat rack Why are you Just stop God damn it Tom You're doing this to me on purpose <laughs> I knew that would piss you <sighs> off God Okay Now that you've uh, uh, Sufficiently upset me I get to make you sad uh, Have you ever heard of the country Equatorial Guinea
1: Oh God! Yes, I have. <laughs> uh,
0: because it's been a long time since we've talked about a psychopathic dictator. Well, okay, not that long. Um, it's only been a couple weeks. A week? Yeah, it's been. It's, it hasn't been that long. Um, but you know, Hong, uh, our, our beloved Hong Christ of the of the Taiping Rebellion. Um, I honestly think he pales in comparison to this guy. Though they do have. Some, in com- some things in common. Because um, we're talking about a man named Francisco Macias Nueva. Um, and just for a hint of how bad this episode's going to be, right up top, and this is going to be your warning uh, for people who do not like these kinds of episodes. He is often known as the Pol Pot of Africa. And all of oh, that no. entails. Yeah. Uh,
1: so if those kinds of things bother you, Now's your time to check out. Um, I am so worried about this because you've been texting me about this for the past few days, and I am so worried. (laughs) It's a lot. Um, This guy,
0: you know, like Pol Pot was, you know, and his Khmer Rouge regime was very obviously, uh, like, needed to be explained in a series. Um, Francisco, not so much. Um, And uh, in related news, I believe this podcast is now banned in Equatorial Guinea. Uh, uh, now equatorial guinea had been a spanish colony since 1778 and as far as colonial efforts go it was something of a failure um they didn't pay much attention to it it was sparsely populated and covered in jungle making it a wonderful vector for disease for any assholes from europe who might show up but also its own population um, sleeping sickness and smallpox regularly just destroyed the population, while the Spanish administers were horrible alcoholics, which probably really didn't help on the administration front. Um, you now, the main reason why this disease, like these disease waves were so common is because one of the first things the Spanish did was pretty much wipe out a lot of the native
1: population. Um, and they you know what like yeah. honestly the Spanish do not get enough shit for their colonial past and well <laughs> colonial and uh, fascist past uh, oh, don't worry that comes up as well in this episode somehow oh
0: my god we, we can thank so, Francisco Franco for a lot of this <laughs> um, why yeah Why? Uh, imagine a guy so fucked up that Franco is like too much <laughs> that happens Um, Yeah,
1: that that was a laugh—a very uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, we
0: are defaulting to our 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 nervous laughter. Um, I believe that is actually a bullet point on the TV tropes page that someone made about this podcast. I don't know who made it. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that exists. I don't know if it's ever updated, but
1: someone made it already. Within like ten minutes, I'm derailing the podcast. Uh so Lines out by Donkey's is a weekly his- history podcast largely devoted to laughing at, uh, at military blunders, incompetent leadership, and generally covering wild stories from the front lines. Hosts Joe Casabian and Blank, uh <laughs> R.I.P. Nick, uh along with part-time hosts uh blah blah blah, uh Rich and Liam, uh plus a cast of guest hosts also cover subjects such as Animals in War, the history of the T-55 and the M sixteen. Taste some MREs and review movies related to military history, however tenuous the connection they are to reality. (laughs) Um, Some of the tropes are acceptable targets, armchair military, berserk button, uh, the catchphrase, it gets worse, chest of medals, historical in-jokes, mirthless laughter. Nailed it. Mirthless laughter. I'm laughing mirthlessly.
0: If I had a wrestling name, I'd be Mirthless Joe. You'd expect merciless,
1: but I'm mirthless. Also, one one of the tropes is this podcast is now banned in insert country and or group they just made fun of. (laughs) Look, I'm nothing if not consistent, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, connecting to God's Wi-Fi.
0: Yeah. Oh, so someone has been updating it, I suppose. Anyway. um, Now, the reason why I say most of the native population is wiped out, it wasn't all of it. The the Spanish generally worked people literally to death, um, and then they replaced them with people from other colonies. This is something that's. Really common throughout most of colonial history, uh, especially the Spanish and Portuguese colonies in South and Latin America, the British colonies in the Caribbean. It's a trend. Um, Now, one group of people they couldn't quite wipe out was uh, the Fang, who pretty much were in a constant state of rebellion. uh, And no matter how hard, the Spanish just kept trying to wipe them out. They just kept on fighting back. And the result of this was... It was kind of a money sink for spain um it was their only colony in sub-saharan africa so it was something of a you know imperial flex and a strategic position for them to hold it did produce coffee uh, coca and other things but the thing that they were really holding on for was oil uh, because shell had discovered oil in nearby nigeria and uh, they're like well there's probably oil here as well, right? Uh, they never did find it while it was a Spanish colony. Uh, Spain finally cut their losses in 1968. And uh, a le- this led to a f- the first and so far only fair general election in Equatorial Guinean history. Um, and this, oh, no. they would decide where uh, who took over when the Spanish left. And of course, the Spanish heavily influenced this election because they wanted someone to take
1: over. Who would be pliable to them. And one. Of th- yeah, it's not like a, the withdrawal of a colonial power causes a power vacuum and creates even worse problems. Yeah, and it was one that
0: didn't happen from a war. So, you know, the, sp- the Spanish were still very heavily involved. And yeah. one of the people running for election was our main character for today, Francisco Macias Nueva. Uh, now, Francisco was born on January 1st, 1924, in what today would be G- uh, Gabon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, back then it was the same territory under the same Spanish administration. He was a member of the Fang tribe. And I swear to God, this is the last normal thing I'm ever going to say about him. It's all downhill from here.
1: Have we, have have we, have we ever discussed on this show, like the origins of the banana Republic? Not yet. Like that That's be- definitely somewhere in there. Yeah. We're
0: going to do it eventually because okay, okay. that would be something of a pretty, pretty expansion, uh, expansive series that would have to, honestly, it's probably more than one series. Just so something doesn't have to quite be left in the, on the cutting room floor. Um, the
1: only thing longer than the Soviet-Afghan war is the origins of the Banana Republic. Man, uh, I have a hard time editing myself now. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, i can't wait because as everyone knows i am monkey pilled i love all monkeys and apes so you know i hope i hope it features apes and monkeys i have some bad news where this term
0: comes from (laughs) oh no um now his dad was the local witch doctor um and when he was a young man he murdered his own brother in front of his son francisco yeah
1: Okay, it's um, a good start. We're yeah. off to a
0: good start. And while growing up, Francisco really uh, took to the witch doctor lifestyle of his father, which was doing just an insane amount of drugs, uh, both drinking, smoking, and eating. Uh, specifically, a local hallucinogen known as iboga. Uh, but uh, sick eyes. Yeah, I mean, he did everything he get his hands on. Um, there's also evidence to suggest he was pretty horribly abused by his witch doctor father who was taking the same amount of drugs. So, I mean, I'm sure that's not that surprising for anybody because he just murdered someone in front of his son. Um, yeah, now it became clear at a very young age that Francisco was dangerously mentally ill. Um, now, I say dangerously, not because he was mentally ill, of course, but because whatever it was that he was suffering through, there was no treatment for him back then. Um, it was just non-existent. And especially as a colonial subject in Spain, in the, in the Spanish colonial empire, he wasn't exactly going to have a therapist available to him. Um,
1: yeah, it's more so like you're going to get a hole drilled in your skull. Yeah, you, let you're going to get um, he's got ghosts in his blood
0: he's, yeah, he's, he's, got, uh, he's got voices in his teeth they gotta be taken out um, <laughs> however his dad attempted to treat him with magic and drugs um, so that did not help you know, there's no amount of drug induced magician uh, work that is going to help your mental health crisis um, yeah i mean
1: like it, it is kind of like people rubbing crystals on your forehead yeah like it, it might it might work if you believe it hard enough but uh the chakras are all fucked up hard... young francisco yeah here take these mushrooms and uh, drink this like a uh, toilet wine it's gonna help you yeah that's right uh i've been brewing this out of ketchup and orange peels in my toilet <laughs> for weeks
0: this should fix you right up
1: medicinal pruno (laughs)
0: look look that could probably exist somewhere in like uh gwyneth paltrow's website
1: (laughs) yeah we need to rebrand pruno as like a goop product i'm saying you know like it is a goop it's it's holistically made it's all natural you know it's natural fermentation it's a sustainable because you're using like leftover like fruit peels and stuff you know And it's a it's small batch, you know. It's it's made by a home brewery or supporting small business. This is a business plan. This is a business plan.
0: I'm starting the Lions Led by Donkeys Artisanal Pruno Distillery.
1: Uh, I (laughs) I feel like that's probably legal where I live. I could do that. I mean, yeah, Armenians make very good wine. You can just like get a guy like. But the question is, if you're brewing it in a commercial uh, quantities. Are you buying multiple toilets or you just have one massive toilet?
0: I mean, to, to legally call it small batch, you're going to have a whole warehouse full of toilets <laughs> and not good ones either. Like they have to be the stainless steel toilets bolted to the wall of a prison.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Armitage
0: Shanks. <laughs> um, now eventually he finished Catholic school. Um, it was not a hot, very high level Catholic school then was basic literacy and not much else. um, and he attempted to get a job in the Spanish administration,
1: but failed the entry exam three times. Oh, why? Why do we have a a series of academic failures on the show? We had Hong. Now we have this guy. Look, I'm starting to be worried about people who fail civil service exams. And
0: as someone, because like <laughs> after the Hong series, a lot of people, specifically like nurses and paramedics, reached out to me to t- talk to me about how hard their exam is. Trust me, I know I had to take it. It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, however, I will say if I failed it once, I would have quit. Because uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, reasonable. And the way that the, I don't know if the, the, the nurse's exam is the same way that nurses write in and tell me, uh, but the paramedic exam is given to you in the worst possible way. It's on a computer and it doesn't tell you how many questions you have to take or have to answer, you just answer them. And then at a certain point the computer decides you you're done and it shuts off. You do not know if you passed or failed. You don't know, like you could do a hundred questions, you could do 150 questions, it just cuts off. And then at that moment, like you just want to die because you have no idea what just happened.
1: Okay. It's so it's, awful. it's like it is it it's not Pericles. What's the Greek god that was, or is it the biblical figure that was um condemned to be like stuck in a mountain and every day like a crow or something would come and like eat out his liver yeah yeah it's, I believe that's Greek Get uh, uh, yeah. out the Greeks uh, love souvlaki <laughs> um,
0: so yeah he failed uh, but somehow he managed to get a job in the administration anyway nothing important he was a low level clerk in the courts department working as an interpreter and translator um, as soon as he got this job he kind of showed himself to be a very interesting kind of hustler he was deeply and pretty much foundationally corrupt as soon as he got even the, the smallest amount of power because now he was translating court documents which included witness testimony as an evidence and things like that so he would collect bribes to translate your documents to make you look better look innocent change the way the in inno- the, the evidence came out on paper change witness statements to make you innocent or or to absolve you of your crimes whatever and if you didn't pay him he would change them the other way (laughs) so he of course incredible grief yeah and like it's something that even his dumbass could do because he spoke several different languages and he was literate so like and a lot of the people he was ripping off were not literate so he could fuck them over deeply And this built a massive amount of influence in the court system, obviously, right? He literally was like effectively judge, jury, and executioner of people who didn't have money. Um, And the Spanish took attention to this, but not the reason that you would hope like, oh, man, this guy is fucking up our administration. We should probably fire him. But what they saw was, wow, he seems very important. People gravitate towards him. But they didn't really decide to figure out why he had that much influence, And again, this is a man who failed their entrance exam three times was his education level was literacy. That was it. And they assumed he must be some kind of backroom political dealer and able to navigate the government structure that they had in place. So they started promoting him a lot and quickly. (laughs) Now, he started again as a failed civil service candidate uh, and was a low level translator in the courts department and within a single year, he became the
1: Deputy President of the Governing Council. See, this is just how politics works in general, is if you are good at petty corruption, it will get noticed and you will get promoted. Especially and in a colonial
0: think- administration where petty corruption makes the world go round.
1: Colonial, you know, uh, colonial outpost, British government, Irish government, pretty much governments anywhere. If you are a middling civil servant, but you are very good at backroom dealings, then you will reach a kind of senior mid-level role if but if you're really vicious you could be like president or something yeah yeah spe- that's the, but like that that's the uh, the biggest fallacy of the ending of malcolm in the middle is that like they go on about how malcolm's going to become president and it was like yeah malcolm's smart enough to become president but he's not evil enough to become president yeah yeah he's he's too good he's like
0: chaotic good because he's not necessarily good good he's look at the family he came from they're all hustlers but he's not evil That's like you know the one of the tried and true baseline like theories is anybody who thinks they should run a country is probably a little fucked up in the head. Yeah, yeah. Like only I can fix this. Like they're they're either evil or delusional or both. Um, Now the Spanish were not stupid. Uh, Like well they were, but not for this reasoning. For starters, they propped him up. He was not anti-Spanish, and there was a very vibrant independence movement going and he was pro-independence but he was not anti-spain yet Um, they also saw him as someone who could very very easily be manipulated and it turned out that both of those things were correct however he was already showing anybody who was paying attention that there was something not quite right going on with francisco now, at one point, he was invited to Madrid to speak during a celebration of Francisco Franco. I believe his, his 25th year in power, they invited uh, Francisco the, from Equatorial Guinea to speak. And he broke out in what has to be one of the most bizarre speeches I've ever
1: talked about on this show. Um, he, this is just like the weirdest uh, parody of uh, When Julia Met Julia. I'm unfamiliar with that reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie about a, a food journalist Meeting Julia Childs The famous TV chef All right, <laughs> the, joke, the joke isn't funny when I have to explain it Please go
0: on um, Now he He started his speech with Quote I consider Hitler to be the Savior of Africa and Hitler's intention was to end colonialism Throughout the world although It is said that he persecuted the Jews What he wanted to do was combat Colonialism but <laughs> he got confused and instead wanted to command all of the peoples of Europe. That is a direct quote. Uh, Hitler was simply misunderstood. He got confused on his way to liberate Africa. Um, now, during other speeches, he would randomly get distracted and wander off stage like a confused child, like someone dangling uh, uh, like car keys in front of them. Uh, and he had, like, the Spanish literally gave him handlers to kind of try to keep him on target, and he they did not Uh, They were not able to do that. Uh, So during the country's first elections, of course, this is the guy that Spain backed. During the campaign trail, he would give speeches that randomly changed languages, spoke at length and jumbled sentences that made no sense in languages that he spoke fluently. And when that didn't engage the crowd, he would simply point to the biggest nearby house, uh, which probably belonged to a Spaniard, and said, hey, if you vote for me, I'll give you that guy's house. Um and like this became so chaotic that the spanish gave him a speechwriter who he also ignored king of course he won the election and became the country's first and so far only freely elected president a title that he still holds as soon as he took office he showed himself to be intensely paranoid uh, and all of the the spanish hope for him like being not anti-spanish quickly went out the window um, he blamed the Spanish for everything, he saw a Spanish plot around every corner, and he attempted to kidnap the runner-up of the election, a guy named Edu, before the runner-up had to flee to Gabon. So with him out of arm's reach, he simply arrested and executed his foreign minister by throwing him out of a window.
1: I mean, you know, I, I, I have been uh, wanting to rewatch Lord of War. Uh, well, not rewatch, watch watch it for the first time, uh, Lord of War. And I feel like this is like a scene from it where like Nicolas Cage is trying to sell him a gun. He's like, why do I need a gun? And he just throws a guy out a window. That's
0: efficient. efficient. The main guy in that is based on Charles Taylor, who is also absolutely insane. Um, now, like Francisco is interesting because most guys who get, who become like legendarily despotic, murderous dictators, it's it's a gradual thing.
1: He hits the ground at a dead sprint and never stops. He's got that grind set. He's got that dictator grind set. You know, like he has a vision. He knows what he wants to do. He's prepared to follow through on it. And he goes and gets that bread. Oh, he has visions. A lot
0: of them. All the time. Because of all the hallucinogens <laughs> he's taking. Um Now, Adu was eventually kidnapped in Gebon, delivered back across the border, and he was also executed. And this is around the time that a prison known as Black Beach became infamous. Now, Black Beach had been built during the colonial era, and Francisco now began to pack it full of his political enemies, both real and imagined, and they were all executed without a trial. Uh, it is said that Francisco often took part in these tortures and executions himself, where he would seal people into barrels of water to drown them or simply tear out their eyes with his bare hands um, just five months Five whole months into his rule Francisco Franco of Spain Decided that he was simply too dangerous And emergency evacuated all Spanish Citizens from the country
1: How how much of an insane Person do you have to be that Francisco Franco of all People is like yeah I'm gonna evacuate my people out Of this guy's country yeah, this guy's a bit much For me I'm outy. uh
0: this is where I say it gets worse He scoured the country for anybody that could be considered a Spanish spy, offering people huge amounts of rewards for something as small as a tip that would lead to their capture. And this is a country that is desperately poor. So you can imagine how this played out immediately. Everybody turned on everyone and reported their neighbors to Francisco's party militia, the youth on the march with Macias or JMM. Um And, like, the evidence necessary, if you want to call it evidence, that required someone to be considered a Spanish spy is something as simple as speaking Spanish to someone else, which was the dominant language at the time due to it being a Spanish colony.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that, that would cause some logistical issues just existing in that country. Look, there, if there's one person
0: that doesn't care about the logistics of human existence, it is this guy... <laughs> Anybody accused of even being a spy was whisked away to the Black Beach, and most of them were never seen again. In the off chance there was a trial within the walls of the prison, it was a complete sham, and the defendant's own lawyers argued in favor of the death penalty. And this is because all trained judges and lawyers had vanished, either murdered, thrown in the prison themselves, or they'd fled the country. And they had all been replaced by some random dudes from the JMM without any kind of education in the law whatsoever um oh. uh, yeah Th- this is going to become a trend uh hence the comparison to Pol pot francisco hates education and the educated class so things are not good uh and they're only going to get worse and i should it goes without saying during this time francisco had never stopped taking drugs every single day to the point that he would completely lose his mind he would sit around and talk to himself and when people asked like Hey man, uh, you alright? Like, are everything going okay? He would insist he was sp- communicating with the dead.
1: Okay, so you have a dictator who is having, like, spiders are under my skin moments. Yeah. And is, like, disappearing people on a mass scale. Oh, the Hates mass scale up. has yet to start, my friend. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, is disappearing people at a large scale hates the language that is the dominant language in the country i can imagine the next eight years are gonna go well it,
0: just sitting in a cabinet meeting with the, his ministers and he's like gentlemen do you ever hate when you discover that your blood is actually made of ants i know i do <laughs>
1: uh whom's among us yeah. whom's among us um
0: are you are you sick of the constant itching of bugs on your skin? We should pass a law against that. Everybody's like, look, glancing around. Yeah, Mister President, we should really handle this bug on skin issue. Uh, do you have any suggestions of how we handle that? Mm, yes, we should tear off everybody's skin. Oh boy, he's he's doing it again. Um, smoking that ants in my blood pack. <laughs> just mainlining the most powerful shatter on earth and tearing out his own bones. (laughs) Um, Now, at this point, like everybody knew something was up with him to include Francisco. He knew what he was doing was not normal. So he flew to Barcelona for a mental health care visit. This is not the first time he did this, actually. Back when he was deputy president or deputy of the governing council, he also met with a therapist in Spain. Um, And we have no idea what that therapist did, or what they said, or any kind of treatment they gave him. We just know it didn't work, or he just ignored it completely. Because as soon as he was done in Barcelona, he flew back to Equatorial Guinea uh, on Christmas Eve 1969 and did something that is so legitimately insane, so over the top, that if there was not evidence of this happening you would assume it only came from like a Hollywood movie where they have no subtlety in describing their their their, their, like antagonists or whatever. 186 political prisoners were taken from Black Beach and brought to the National Football Stadium where they were executed by a firing squad of JMM men who were dressed as Santa Claus while a loudspeaker played the Mary Hopkins song, Those Were the Days My Friend, in the background.
1: What? What? What?
0: For everybody uh, who cannot see what is happening right now, which is everybody other than me, Tom has taken his headphones off.
1: (laughs) You are not... You are not serious. I'm dead
0: serious. This happened, yeah.
1: You know when you said the other day that you're gonna get revenge? You're getting there. Another 36 people were ordered to dig their own graves. They were buried up to their necks, at which
0: point they had red ants dumped onto their heads and were eaten alive over the course of the next several days.
1: Oh, I... Yeah, man. This is only the start. We're four pages into a nine-page script.
0: (laughs) Christ. (laughs) History's fun. By the early 1970s, Francisco had taken a break from large-scale murder to unleash a spree of new laws. The Christian faith was now completely banned, though some Catholic churches were still allowed to operate with different rules. And we'll get to what those rules were in a little bit. Any novels or books from the Spanish era were banned, and school curriculum was inspected for hints of what he called disloyalty. What counted as disloyalty changed pretty much every single day, and those found okay. guilty would be arrested by the JMM and sent to Black Beach. For example, one man was sentenced to five years in prison for having Spanish olives and ham. He survived. What he the actually he fuck? actually survived his prison sentence.
1: You know what? Big up to him. Big up surviving five years for having some ham and olives look that ham fucking slapped i bet he's like he gets out he's like you know what worth it where's my motherfucking yeah, olives at bitch he got out and just immediately went to the shop and was like tienes uh, jamón iberico <laughs> sí? Aquí? Claro. he also
0: issued decree 415 which granted him absolute power to rule by decree which was something he had been doing anyway uh, he also merged all political parties into one, his own, the United National Party, and named himself President for Life. Um, now, we've already established he hated the educated uh, because he had never really got much of what you consider real education himself. And this became a bit of a thing for him. He started giving himself titles like Grandmaster of Education uh, and banned the word
1: intellectual from being spoken aloud. How has Hollywood made a movie about Charles Taylor, Idi e. Amin, mean, but not this guy? I think it's the same reason why there's
0: never been a movie, like a major movie that focused on Pol Pot. Um, It's just too much. Yeah. Um, He didn't ban the Department of Education, Um, which is unique because that's something like people in America want to do. And even he didn't do that. But he did randomly start picking out its employees to be murdered Uh, as a random pastime of his. Well, for example, one of his directors was beaten to
1: death in his office just because. I I am despondent. I'm shaking my head. I do not agree with this.
0: My shirt, I do not agree with Francisco Macias Noema as, as bringing up a lot of questions that my shirt should answer. <laughs> um, the sentences for these crimes did not stop with the guilty party. If you were found guilty of one of these whatever amount of imagined imagined crimes your entire family would suffer with you the families were banned from living in towns or cities they no longer get rations from the government and they are forced to live on a government controlled plantation in the middle of the jungle where they are forbidden to leave under threat of murder
1: so you could say that was this a camp where people were concentrated you could say that
0: uh you we would not be the only people who would say that in fact Um, Now, if this punishment is pinging a few things in the back of your head, yes, this is something that the Khmer Rouge did. This is also something done by North Korea to this day. And there's a reason for that. Francisco is a huge fucking fan of Kim Il-sung at this point. Um, And they become close friends. (laughs) Like, not in a diplomatic way, like fishing trips kind of way. They're
1: they're just a... A dictatorial version of me and you. Yeah, they they, they would have a podcast. Like
0: uh, <laughs> we, everybody, welcome back to the uh, the the
1: equatorial Juche cast. And um, uh, today on the show we have Idi Amin. Idi, have you got anything to say? And it's just him screaming into the mic, screaming volume like minutes human flesh. Yeah. Um. Now he had since become
0: so much of an asshole that Francisco Franco criminalized even mentioning the country in the spanish media oh yeah
1: how do you ban well yeah no it's, it, franco. it's franco it's not like they had freedom yeah. of
0: speech or, or media Yeah,
1: i was about to say like how do you just like pretend the country doesn't exist you set the delete button
0: on your own history i think the spanish and the americans listening are quite familiar with that um now at this point, he had imploded his economy as one could imagine. We'll go into more detail of how badly he did implode his economy in a little bit, but he needed money. So, he there's two games in town, right? You are naturally wealthy through, you know, natural resources and the like, and that will probably bring you more into the western sphere of influence so they could be exploited or whatever, or you're broke. And you just say you're communist. At which point, the Soviet Union just is like, have a blank check, my friends. Welcome to the fold. (laughs) And that is what he did.
1: Here is 14 million Kalashnikovs. Please don't do anything bad with them. Oh, they didn't care
0: about that as much. Um, So he declared himself communist. um, And his way of working with the Soviet Union was... There was a civil war going on in Angola, which, without going into details, it's a clusterfuck of different sides. One of so, one of said sides was supported by the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union was having a hard time getting them weapons. So Francisco's like, oh, you can smuggle that shit through here. And, you know, they became best friends. Um, he got huge amounts of cash from the Soviet Union.
1: If you ask your mom, can I, you stay at my house? And I ask my mom, and she's okay with it. Let's be friends. Is your dad okay if we smuggle weapons into your into your neighbor's house? Um Yeah, this is this is literally the version of like, oh, we I can stay at Timmy's house as long as his dad like doesn't like bring out the guns or let yeah. us drink. And another thing they got support from was
0: North Korea because Kim Il Sung and Francisco became fast friends. Um North Korea supplied his bodyguards. Um because he didn't trust okay. his own people to protect him to include his own party militia. Which, to be fair, was probably a good,
1: a good decision on his part. Um, I'm just wondering what a, what those like North Korean bodyguards thought the first time they arrived in Equatorial Guinea. They were probably not very happy.
0: Um, oh, and he also sent his kids to North Korea. Um, one of whom was so young that Korean is their first spoken language. And I believe they still live there.
1: Ah. Uh. Yeah. Now, one
0: of the weird deals he worked out for the Soviets was a lucrative fishing trade. Uh, which So this allowed the, the Soviets to have free reign to Equatorial Ghanaian waters for fishing. They could fish as much as they want without restriction in exchange for very, very discounted fish being delivered into the Equatorial Ghanaian market. Now, this is a weird deal because fishing was one of the few industries in Equatorial Guinea that people could still take part in. Uh, and so he outlawed fishing to make room for the Soviets and sank all of their boats. Okay. Yeah.
1: I I I want to ask first and I don't know if you know this or not. What what type of fish are they catching? Are they t- talking about some red snapper? Are they talking about saltfish? I don't know. I have no idea honestly. Um I I'm going to look this up. <laughs> this is this is me being uh your Jamie to uh your Joe Rogan. Uh equi- Oriole. Hey Jamie, what kind of fish they got in Equatorial Guinea? Uh, let me let me tell you, Joe. Let me tell you, Joe. Equatorial Guinea fish. Um What kind of fish are in Equatorial? So freshwater fish. Um, lots of catfish. Uh, Chiloglanus. Glanus. I w-
0: I would mm. I know this is not what happened, but I would really like to see like a whole bunch of confused Soviet fishermen like going noodling for Equatorial Guinean catfish. Are you under some leopard eel? Are you familiar with noodling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for people who are unaware, noodling is something done mostly in rural areas of the United States where people go catfish fishing by shoving their fist into places where they believe
1: catfish are and then they bite onto their hands. Um Oh, I'm looking up some recipes for like Equatorial Ghanaian like uh, a con tres salsas and it's actually It looks really nice. I got some
0: bad news for you
1: Nobody is eating that at this point in time Because <laughs> they're
0: not eating much oh. of anything um, oh. Also A huge loss to the world that uh, whoever Nicknamed it noodling did not Nickname it instead cat fisting um, Now Pretty much <laughs> Pretty much the only thing Francisco Did try to like look Communist like to put on the The aesthetic that a lot of soviet proxies would have was that he changed the name of his political party to the united national workers party he added the word workers in there of course
1: and he loudly declared himself to be a hitlerian marxist okay we're, we're just like through this man we are channeling the weirdest people online with the weirdest political tendencies yeah this is what happens if they actually take over a country i mean like it like a Hitlerian Marxist is just some shit that like Brendan O'Neill would write in The Spectator. Oh god. Um
0: now the Soviets themselves quickly learned that Francisco was a bit of a fucking bastard. Um and they didn't like dealing with him because every few months he'd be like, I'm ending our partnership, right? I'm th- I'm going to start talking to the United States or whatever. Knowing that in order to keep them in their fold, the Soviets would just give him a raise for how much money they were giving him. And then he would shut up for a little while. He was he was just hustling them hardcore, which anybody who's being dominated by an imperial power should do. Um, now, this didn't matter because he was very short on funds anyway, because at this point, the Equatorial Ghanaian economy had ceased to exist. Um, he was very short on money. So he got into the the game of... Ransoming off foreigners for huge cash payouts. Now, for example, he got $57,000 for a German woman, $40,000 for a Spanish professor, and $6,000 for the corpse of a Soviet citizen who
1: died under mysterious circumstances. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes you got to respect the grind set, but it's a bit too far. Because the money, like, it's not
0: going into a treasury. We'll get to that point. But, like, any money that's being given to Equatorial Guinea is just going to him
1: like please tell me he has like a gold ak or something
0: i don't think so he does he has a much bigger flex that we'll get to okay. so at this point he was ruling his president for life by a, a a law that he passed and voted for by their parliament and by 1973 he won a constitutional plebiscite uh so a popular vote that would enshrine all of these things in the national constitution um and uh, would you guess that it passed with ninety nine percent approval and one hundred percent of people voting? Because it did. Those some great numbers.
1: Yeah, some great numbers, people. A lot, of, lot of great things happening in Equatorial Guinea. What
0: you couldn't get a hundred percent? You might as well fucking quit, man. How are you gonna How are you gonna rig a vote so blatantly and not even give yourself
1: a hundred percent of the vote? This just sounds like my parents when I came home with school tests. Yeah, what you didn't want an A? <laughs> I was a C grade student at best until I did my my uh, ba a couple of years ago where i got like incredible first uh, grades like everything else c all the way because I, I was the exact same
0: i slept walked my way through high school and barely passed and then i was on the dean's list
1: through my ba and graduated my master's very well as well so like so if yeah if you're listening to this and you are a c grade student maybe consider becoming a podcaster you know what they call a doctor who gets c's doctor <laughs> exactly um, now, the entire
0: country was formed around three pillars, Francisco himself, his party, and the JMM. Every level of government was controlled by a member of his family, which include his nephew, Teodoro, who was vice commander of the armed forces after Francisco himself and the military governor of the capital. And uh, Teodoro liked to spend his free time in Black Beach, murdering people with his bare hands, just like his uh, his uncle there. Um, Teodoro will become important later and if you happen to live in Equatorial Guinea he's important now um, now at this point Francisco decided he wanted to build himself a good old fashioned personality cult uh, because again he's very good friends with Kim Il-sung and he actually like envied the personality cult that uh, Kim Il-sung had built around himself he named islands after himself he gave himself the title of unique miracle and began to hang billboards around the country that said things like, God created Equatorial Guinea thanks to Macias, and there is no God other than Macias, which became something of an unofficial national motto.
1: Uh, so, <laughs> things are about to go really good. I assume it's this, this episode has a happy ending.
0: Uh, happy is relative, I'll say. Uh, In the Catholic churches that were still allowed to operate, priests had to open services by thanking Francisco himself before they ever muttered the words Jesus or God. His picture would hang in the place of the traditional crucifix, um, and the entire capital would lose power whenever he left town, because they didn't need it anymore. He wasn't there. Uh, They would simply turn off the electricity when Francisco left the capital, which was a lot.
1: they opened the open was like, Buenas dias, mimigos, eh Muchas gracias por. Uh, Macias. Amen. Yeah, pretty much. Also, you just spoke Spanish to the
0: Black Beach with you. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the 70s, his paranoia had increased to a level I had never heard of before. He saw the Spanish plots everywhere, which only existed in his mind. Um, And he murdered the entire government outside of a few family members. I'm not kidding. The entire government, the National Assembly, entire offices of government workers, government ministers, everyone. The government died. He killed it.
1: So who's running the country, Joe? Nobody. Now, the the family members
0: that he put in charge of ministries, he also killed them um, from time to time. The only arm of the government, if you could call it that, was the JMM, who was a para state paramilitary, because while it was a pillar of the state, nobody controlled it. They spent their time getting blind drunk and wandering the streets, murdering people at random. And in the countryside, the JMM acted as something akin to a human pestilence. They would move across the country and pillage entire towns, burn others to the ground, and effectively ripped up the things that made a society a society. In some cases, uh, like uh, Francisco would be like, I believe there's uh, like an anti-government dissident in this village. They would murder the entire village. They would just kill it. And the dissident never existed anyway.
1: Uh, Okay, so the government's dying. The citizens are dying. Who's left alive at this stage?
0: Uh, Hard to say. Not many people who had any official role. Um, Like the concept of government ceased to exist because Francisco killed it. For example, the director of the Institute of Statistics turned in data showing we can't run the state like this. Um, so Francisco dismembered them to quote in order to help him learn how to count.
1: Ah, I see
0: when the head of the central bank said, uh, you know, we can't run an economy without, you know, keeping account of what we spend on what we make. He was executed and the entire contents of the national treasury was boxed up, brought to Francisco's house where it was shoved under his bed for safekeeping.
1: If I hadn't already taken my headphones off earlier on, at that point, at this point, I would have taken them off again. Like Tom, I, I, Tom, would it
0: surprise you if I tell you that the economy had completely collapsed at this point? No, not at all. Because it did. Uh, soon, the entire GDP was made up of foreign aid from the Soviet Union and North Korea. One journalist noted that the only thing that he seemed to be able to find in the marketplace was tin sardines and pink champagne, which he remarked were strangely plentiful.
1: Is there any reason why they were very plentiful?
0: No. <laughs> um, the best thing anybody can assume is they had like a meeting of African leaders there at one point. So he imported a fuckload of pink champagne and so okay. much that it just like it became
1: better than the water because the nobody was doing sanitation anymore. Yeah, you kill all the sanitation workers. There's no clean water drink. So you have to drink pink champagne. There's probably like kids running around drunk because the only thing they have to drink is pink champagne. Yeah. I'm actually losing my mind. <laughs> at-
0: uh, oh, and uh, after this, uh, he uh, effectively shut Equatorial Guinea off from the outside world. No one was allowed in from the outside other than like Soviet North Korean government officials.
1: So th- this is just going to give president, uh, precedence to the rise of the Equatorial Guinea equivalent of the tokugawa shogun i assumed we are gonna have Ghanaian samurai i wish um that would be a much better <laughs> turn than this takes
0: now oh god even francisco who didn't believe in the concept of statistics or gdp um he knew his economy
1: was was rightly fucked and he took a step to fix it you want to guess what it was uh, opening the country back up, repairing relations with uh, other countries, stepping down and holding a fair and equal uh, uh, election, trying to make some sort of amends for the mass murders and the uh, executions and the genocide, and uh, kind of putting books back into schools with teachers ready to uh, accurately kind of parse. Recent history. Slavery. He reintroduced slavery. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, Joe! <laughs> Tom has put down his headphones again. You know, I-, I expected more killing. I didn't expect slavery to be brought back. Now, there's a small problem when it comes to pressing people into
0: labor, uh, enslaving them, if they're, you know, dying already. Uh, they can't exactly do the physical labor that you require them to do um not to mention they have no idea how to farm um so the coca plant uh like the coca crop just died it nearly wiped out the entire nation's crop his paranoia during the educated class cuz when when this fails he blames like an intellectual plot against him like they're they're sabotaging my my crops um, he, so his hatred and paranoia towards the educated class spiraled out of control. Even owning a book or a single page of printed material got you sent to Black Beach. He instituted a mandatory death sentence for anybody who wore glasses because they were too smart for him.
1: Like, how bitter do you have to ha- have to be after failing out of higher education to do this? And then in 1975, he banned school. For whatever way I mean, it existed look, as a, at this point in time. Look, if you had told me that at fifteen, I would have been real happy. Aside from all the other stuff going on, yeah. You know, scoop He he's also going to abolish bedtimes,
0: a uh, 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 mandatory nap time, and uh, doing your homework.
1: Well, I mean, he's effectively already banned eating vegetables because there's not nothing left to eat. He kind of banned eating, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, previous
0: to this, the country actually had a pretty robust healthcare system, um, and it was considered the best in the Spanish like former colonial empire. They left behind a a pretty decent healthcare system. Obviously, Francisco couldn't allow this healthcare system to continue functioning. He banned Western med- uh, medicine. Um, he banned Western medicine, and instead told people, if you're sick, you should use magic.
1: Joe, I, I don't know if you have one to hand, but I could use an animal fact right now. I don't have any. <laughs> Fuck. Let me love you, love you find one. You know, for everyone listening at home, I, I am struggling. I know all of you sick fucks have been rooting for this, but uh, yeah, it's finally gotten to the point where I need an animal fact on one of these series. Now, according to pet, PetalWildlife.org. Bactrian
0: camels, also known as the two-humped camels, can drink 88 pints of water, or 50 liters. That's like chugging 25 big soda bottles. Camels love water so much they even learn to drink salty water. Does that sound good to
1: you? I mean, what if you filled a camel up with Baja Blast? <laughs> what if you trained a camel to only drink pink champagne?
0: <laughs> um, Now, during this time where he pivoted towards a mostly wizard based healthcare system he uh he also b- attempted to show himself as the most powerful witch doctor in the world um and you know there is some like normal based belief on the concept of like witch doctors in equatorial guinea however not like this um and he, he also like uh, pushed natural health care, like herbal remedies and things of that nature. So, of course, He'll goop. yeah, he gooped it. He gooped it real hard. Um, and, uh, you know, this led to a surge of disease um, that just killed tens of thousands of people. Um, this earned the Equatorial Guinea the nickname of death's waiting room. This is not the only nickname that they're going to have during this podcast, unfortunately. Um, now, at this point, anybody who could leave the country did leading to a brain drain at a level that the world will probably never see again. Numbers of the country's population at the time are hard to come by because Francisco killed the guy who was supposed to take the census. Um, But one estimate put the country's population at around 215,000. It's a very small country. Um, And the same estimate suggests that 47% of the population had fled the country. Almost half. So many people were leaving the country. He put soldiers at border crossings with shoot to kill orders, laid landmines in all the roads leading out, and they dug pits around the border and filled them with spikes
1: because he isn't too much of a cartoonish supervillain already. I, I'm kind of like running out of things to say in disbelief. I'm just kind of like, what is going on? This, this is turning into 40K. It,
0: it, it's like you can see why he's often compared to Pol Pot. Um, yeah. The Pol Pot ruled over a much bigger country with a much larger population. So like the level of total control that Francisco had is much more intense because it's a much smaller population that he had to control. So you now have about 100,000 or so people trapped in a situation that if they try to leave, they will die. And if they stay, they will also die. Uh, it was called an open air concentration camp, or most grimly, the Dachau of Africa jesus christ the only function that his government could carry out was violence they did nothing else they didn't even bother to run a budget or take account of the money that they had on their treasury because the treasurer had been murdered and the treasury was now hidden under friend- someone's bed like an old porn magazine nobody was getting paid anymore uh nobody's getting paid for anything uh though i guess francisco cut the budget by murdering most of the people he would have to pay his bodyguards were all employed by North Korea. Like we said, though, that didn't mean that they were paid or even fed when they weren't on shift protecting Francisco. They'd have to go out and forge the countryside for food in order to survive. Oh yeah. So at this point, some of his bodyguards are also Cuban. Um, but they also, God damn, yeah.
1: God damn it, Castro. <laughs> Wally,
0: why'd you do this? He ordered the execution of all of his former lovers and his mistresses, as well as the husbands of the women that he wanted to bang, Uh, Before traveling abroad for state visits, he would have Black Beach liquidated entirely to dissuade others from plotting against him while he was gone. Where was he traveling to? Mostly the Soviet Union, uh, North Korea, yeah.
1: I'm like, how do you have, like, you're doing all of this, how do you have the time to go on holiday?
0: And uh, he was, it's not like he was a pariah, like, he also still traveled to other African states as well. Uh, By by the mid-1970s, he was so paranoid about being overthrown, he abandoned the presidential palace and instead moved to his home village of Mangamo, uh, which was on an island off the coast, in a fortified villa that was fully equipped with bodyguards and a 300-man prison so he could still murder people when he got bored. At this point, Black Beach, which had been liquidated several times already, and other prisons had become so packed with political prisoners, all there for virtually no reason, that there's hardly any room for them to lie down, and they no longer had the food to feed them, because they didn't have food or the money to buy food.
1: The commander of the- Like, I I, I know we're joking about it and everything, but, like, that last sentence, like, just, like, is eviscerating to the mind of, like, imagine being someone who is stuck in Equatorial Guinea at this time, yeah, uh, there's there's not many
0: of them. Um, yeah, it's it's real bad. It's it's probably one of the worst dictatorial regimes that the world just simply doesn't talk about, and the reason for that, I think, we will get to at the end. Um. So the commander of the prison told Francisco, like, hey, you stopped paying us and we we can't feed anybody. So like, can we fix that, please? So he simply ordered the prison to be liquidated, killing everybody who wasn't already dying from starvation. Um, This became a standard practice for the country, uh, for the prison going forward. Fill it to the brim and then kill everybody when the administration ran out of tin sardines and pink champagne to feed them with. And another comparison to Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. And if you're still listening and have not been tuned out yeah this is going to be a pretty graphic description of violence so skip ahead if you will this is a quote from the tufts mass atrocity endings for equatorial guinea quote most victims were garroted and forced to kneel and the backs of their skulls were shattered open by the blow of a machete or an iron bar others were beaten to death with whips and sticks by crowds of children in the jmm
1: Yep. Yeah. can i get another animal fact please
0: a lion's roar is the loudest of any big cat it can roar uh, its roar can reach 114 decibels the same loudness as a chainsaw and can be heard as far away as five miles this is because lions have a square and flat shaped voice box where other big cats in the pack have a triangle shaped voice box okay that was fun i'll take that that was suitably fun um then of course there was the genocide. Wait. The the genocide's only happening now? Yeah. uh, Okay. So without going into the weeds too much on this, um, he wasn't targeting anybody specifically. Uh, A a political identifier or ideology does not make a genocide. Um, Okay. And without going into the weeds of why that is the case and why it is not the case, mostly the fault of the United States and the the Soviet Union on the definition of genocide, uh, because... Raphael Lemkin, the man who coined the term, wanted that to be included, Um, and it did not make the UN definition because imperialists get the vote on these kind of things. Um, A a political identifier, say you're a communist or a capitalist or not a member of his political party, does not technically make it a genocide. A genocide to fire is an ethnic group, a religion, uh, things of that nature, people that belong to a group. Um, Gender identity and uh sexual identity are not included as well for the same reasons as i previously stated uh and that desperately needs to be revised by the un but the un is the un so don't expect that to ever happen especially when most of the countries who vote on these things the you know the major players in the un are still in favor of doing these things to gay and trans people so sorry uh However, I I should state that that is when you look at genocide as a crime in the research field, where you research it as a mass atrocity and a historical event, we do count those things. Okay. So, you know, the UN fucking sucks. Long story short.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: the vast majority of Francisco's violence could be categorized as political violence, even if it only existed in his drug-addled mind. It's easiest to accept this as random paranoid acts of violence. The official government line was nationalists, but also fang supremacists. And he unleashed his JMM militia against the minority Bubby people uh, who are native to Bioko Island. Um, Now, this is mostly because he saw them as like... A heightened class intellectuals um he, there was no like anti bubby kind of propaganda, but that was also probably because he lacked the ability to do that in general because his government lacked the capacity to do anything other than murder at this point um and he nearly wiped them out entirely um this got the u s House of Representatives to propose a resolution condemning him for genocide and religious persecution um Something that the U.S. House of Representatives generally doesn't do anymore. Now, uh, animal fact. Hermit crabs drink water by dipping their claws into the water and scooping it into their mouths. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Then for some reason to ask, can you do this? (laughs) Am I fucking lobster boy? Am I going to fucking scoop
1: this? I I have hands. I use cups. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's the name of that uh, process of evolution where anything under the sea turns into a crab? Crabification. Fair. I'll take it. <laughs> I said that with a level of confidence. Someone's probably going to think that is what it's called, and I have no idea. <laughs> someone's someone's going to say that in a bar after hearing you say that, and someone's got the other person's going to turn it's like that was fucking not called that. <laughs> I, I welcome uh, all of us
0: slowly turning into crabs. I, I'm already crab dancing, so it's fine. Um, we're we're crab pilled. Yeah, d- deeply, deeply claw pilled, and uh, and. Cr- crab-based. I hate myself for saying that. Now, at this point, Francisco had all but removed himself from daily governing, if you can call what he did governing. Instead, he remained in his compound on his island, attempting to conjure magic with the help of a pile of human heads that he had gathered for this purpose. Okay. Yeah. Uh he would occasionally order his servants to prepare large banquet dinners for eight or more people, and then sit down by himself to eat and then start having lively conversations with nobody. According to the servants, he insisted he was eating and speaking with the dead.
1: Well, you know, there's quite a lot of them at this stage. Yeah, he's indeed more than eight seats. Yeah. Do ghosts eat? Do ghosts
0: get hungry? uh, Do ghosts uh, uh, respect a succulent Chinese meal? Yes, exactly. Uh, Democracy manifest. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're probably wondering, how the fuck was he getting away with all of this without someone trying to overthrow him, right? Most of his government was run, as much as it was run at all, by his family. And of course, like some members of his family had already been killed at this point, but the most powerful member of his family, his nephew, Teodoro, had yet to be impacted. So everybody who was still there just kind of treated the country like a rundown house and was stripping it bare to make themselves rich as everything fell apart around them. However, in 1979, Francisco went too far. He accused several members of his family of being members of a Spanish plot against him and had them executed. Now, one of these people was the brother of Francisco's nephew, Te- Teodoro, who was vice commander of the military and JMM. who at this point meant he was the commander of everything because Francisco was
1: pretty much only doing drugs and attempting to do magic in his island fortress. I mean, like, yeah, like, whom some us wouldn't want to do that, and not in these circumstances, but yeah, it seems like a really bad idea to piss off the guy who controls the uh, the main group which is has a monopoly on violence in your country. Yeah, and at that point Teodoro either
0: out of revenge or realizing that like this is eventually going to happen to me, launched a coup on August the 3rd, 1979. Now, ironically, since Francisco had moved out of his home off uh, like on an island away from the capital, he did that because he was terrified of being overthrown. Um but by Removing himself from the seat of power, he actually made it much easier to overthrow him because he was not anywhere nearby to try to rally anyone on his side or in his defense. Even the Cuban and North Korean guards left at his presidential palace in the capital had joined in the coup. Mm. When word finally got to Francisco that his time was up, he chucked the entire nation's treasury into a pile and set it on fire before running off into the jungle.
1: It's not that he burned about $100 million. What? yeah like okay I I should have I should just sus- suspend any disbelief I have at this stage he was found there a few days later sitting
0: under a tree deliriously speaking to himself and gnawing on some sugar cane he was arrested and found with four million dollars in cash on him which he
1: claimed he earned from his own coffee plantation I like that that's his argument it's like oh this money is actually mine yeah. no, it, it's, from, it's from my side hustle yeah I got this from my uh, I don't know selling Herbalife. Selling goop?
0: Yeah. Uh, his nephew Teodoro, who enthusiastically took part in everything that had been going on in the country up until this point, and especially with the walls of Black Beach, seized power for himself, a position that he still holds today. Uh, and then he put his uncle on trial, charging him with just an absolutely shit ton amount of crimes, all of which he absolutely did. And these included genocide and, and embezzlement though he ran into a small problem when he discovered that genocide wasn't actually a crime in the country as they had never got around to ratifying the UN charter that made it a crime. So they settled for mass murder instead. When, conf- when confronted by the fact he stole literally the entire treasury and burnt it, he said he did so because he was worried that if uh, he left it in the bank, someone would have robbed it. Um, and then he denied setting fire to the whole thing with the solid defense of you can't prove it was me. <laughs> the court immediately found him guilty and sentenced him to death 101 separate times because if anybody was done enough to deserve dying over 100 times it was him though upon his sentencing he proclaimed on the stand that he was the most powerful witch doctor in the world and if anybody shot him he would haunt them forever and take van- vengeance upon them and their families and remember he had spent years convincing people that this was true so yeah. all of the Equatorial Ghanaian soldiers refused to carry out the death sentence for fear of, you know, ghost wizards.
1: I mean, do you know what? This is, uh, this is very relevant to an episode of my podcast that's coming that has come out at this stage uh, about Russian prison tattoos and that there was this common belief in the criminal underworld in Russia during the 50s and 60s that they would get a tattoo of the face of Stalin or Lenin over their heart and they believe that oh no soldier will execute me because they won't shoot Stalin how that they work just, uh, they turned him around and shot them in the back see adapt and overcome then
0: Teodoro decided to simply hire some Moroccan mercenaries who didn't have any worries about wizard vengeance and shot him ironically he was executed in Black Beach prison a place where he had sent so many others to die now The damage his reign left on Equatorial Guinea is hard to calculate and what we can is fucking astronomical. By the end of his reign, the entire country had two doctors and fewer than a dozen college graduates. The depopulation was the most extreme in recorded history when going by per capita scale. Like we said, the population is about 215,000 and about half had fled the country. Of the people trapped in the country's borders, between 50 and 80,000 people died out of the 100,000 people who remained.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: It, ha- it has been considered a form of auto-genocide because
1: m- he murdered his own people. That is insane. Like, that is between, what, 65 and 85% of the entire population that was left.
0: It, it means that maybe about 15,000 people were left in the country. The country still has not recovered um, from the decade plus unhinged insanity and most likely never will within our lived lifetimes. It is currently ruled by Teodoro, who is considered the most repressive and violent dictator in all of Africa and possibly the fucking world. Oh, but they did find oil eventually. Nothing bad ever happens to a country that finds oil.
1: Ah, uh, that thought it. Joe, why? Why must you do this to me? You deserve you you deserve what you get, Tom. (laughs) Gorillas have wrinkles
0: on their noses, unique to each ape, just like our fingerprints. Oh,
1: cool! That's really cool. I was going to ask: Is there any turtle facts? Uh, I'm in the mood for a turtle fact.
0: Uh, I have nothing. Uh, There's this uh, this website that I've pulled up, which is the first Google search result when you ask for an animal fact, is devoid of turtle facts. Um,
1: Disappointing. Yeah,
0: definitely the only disappointing thing that's occurred in the last hour and a half um now tom let's lighten the mood here we have a thing on this show called questions from the legion uh if you'd like to ask us a question from the legion you can write into the show on patreon uh or you can ask us on discord which is where we normally get our questions because it's normally like the the quickest way tom today uh, we were both teachers at one point or another um what is your favorite experience you had as a teacher now favorite could also just mean funny <laughs> um, cuz mine is not exactly my favorite but it is the funniest thing that ever happened to me. Um now for people unaware I used to be a high school teacher. Uh and I taught at what could be considered a high school that was much like my own uh which is quite rough. Um so you know that's fine I didn't mind. The, the kids were great. Uh the, the school administration was terrible and that's normally the case in situations like that. But one time I did have a kid that wanted to test me as kids tend to do in 10th and 11th grade and he sat down in the front row of my of my English class and lit a joint <laughs> and made eye contact with me. You know well balls. takes balls. Yeah I mean I was like you can go out of the class and put that out and come back in and he's like you're not gonna kick me out of class? I was like no you still need to come <laughs> to class but you can put the fucking joint out. He's like <laughs> All right, like he wanted me to. He very obviously wanted me to like scream and yell and call the cops yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. Which, like, I'm never going to call the cops on one of my students unless they're actively shooting at me. um Like, I was just like, no, you can go throw that out and come back. If you don't come back to class, I'll be mad.
1: <laughs> that's some, that's some good teaching. <laughs> that, that's you know, that's a very empathetic approach to teaching. Um, yeah, for me, like, I I don't have that many because I haven't I uh, done a huge amount of it, but. I gave a workshop, I think it was like October last year. And it was kind of an intro to podcasting workshop where I ran like all the students through like all the basic things that you need to know in terms of like production, how to come up with an idea for a show, how to like put it together in a kind of package state. So that's a plan you can execute on. And it was just a like a kid came up to me afterwards and like, you know, came up and like shook my hand and was like, I really enjoyed that. Like, Learned so much from it, it was just that really, like, it was something small to think that, you know, I, like, I have so many people who've, like, mentored me over the years, and, like, kind of, kind of, not dictated, but, like, have helped steered my path to, like, the way I work now, and the type of stuff I do now, and it was just kind of nice to think that, like, hopefully, you know, that kid uh, is gonna make something, Uh, even if they, like, don't make money for it from it, like, I, I told them at the start, I was like, if you're going into this to make money, you're kind of doing it the wrong way around. You should do it because you enjoy doing it. And then people will kind of be attracted to your, you know, sense of joy that you get out of your work. Um, But yeah, it, it was just like something really simple like that. And I kind of like walked out of it Uh, afterwards when I was waiting for the bus. And I was like, oh, you know well, like hopefully that has like some effect on that guy's life. Yeah,
0: like that happens like a lot on the show where I'll get messages from like high school students um, who like listen to the show. And now they want to go to like university for history Um, or someone wants to switch their major to history. And it's like those really small things are very, very cool. Um, and It it rules because like, you know, one of the reasons we started this show is because I believe that standard history education is very boring, um, which is why a lot of people believe history education is boring. When it can be, you know, it's very important um, and it can be incredibly entertaining when presented correctly. Uh, I'm not saying we present it correctly all the time, but we do our best. So <laughs> um, now, Tom, thank you so much for joining me on this very lighthearted, uplifting episode.
1: Uh, you can use this time to plug your show. Uh, yeah, I listened to Beneath Skins, the show about the history of everything told you, the history of tattooing. Um, so we're kind of a general history show that uses tattooing as a <clears throat> as a lens to discuss like wider things in history, you know, like colonialism, um, history of, you know, racism, the history of art. Um like I always say, um check out like our series we did on the history of Japan or like really check out any of the episodes. Um we're on all good streaming platforms and yeah, check us out on Instagram as well. It's beneath the skin pod. If you just want to like We just want to see some cool tattoo history stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like what we do here, consider supporting us on Patreon. You get episodes like this a week early or more for as little as a dollar. For $5, you can get five plus years at this point worth of bonus content. Uh, There's a lot on there. You get discord access where we have a nice little community we've built over the years. Um, you get all sorts of other stuff. You get stickers, you get i'm um, working through doing an audiobook for hooligans of Kandahar, um, which people have been requesting for literally years now. Uh so I'm finally doing it. Um so support the show via Patreon, get all of that. The link will be in the show notes, as always. Um, and if you don't want to, that's fine. Leave us a review on wherever it is you listen to podcasts, because it helps us greatly. Uh and until next time, uh the next episode will not be this depressing.